Hey everybody, it's your old pal Mitch Halleck, producer of Connecticut's Terrific Comic Con and CT Gamer Con, both happening at Mohegan Sun. And I just want to let you know, if you're not following us on the almighty social network, you're missing out on a bunch of stuff. So you can follow me on Twitter at It's Terrific Con. That's I-T-S-T-E-R-R-I-F-I-C-O-N. It's Terrific Con. And if you're into gaming, make sure you check us out on Twitter at CT Gamer Con. That's C-T-G-A-M-E-R-C-O-N. And as always, you can look for us on Facebook at Terrificon and CT GamerCon, and we're even on Instagram. So do me a favor and follow me there. Plus, check out my brand new show on YouTube, Mitch and Ed's Excellent Adventure, where we go every two weeks and look back at the things you love, TV, movies, toys, and more. That's Mitch and Ed's Excellent Adventure. Now sit back and get ready for another episode of the Power Cosmic Podcast. Thanks. You're listening to Terrific Con presents the Power Cosmic Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to everything you love. That's comic books, TV, movies, collectibles, and more. Brought to you by Mitchell A.S. Halleck, the producer of Terrific Con, the world's greatest comic con every summer at the Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut. Join Mitch and his special guest, Jerry Ordway, and his pals all across the comic fandom as they talk about the things you love. Now, sit back, get ready, and listen to today's episode of the Power Cosmic Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another jam-packed episode of the Power Cosmic Podcast. I'm your host with the most... The man who makes Terrificon and GamerCon whenever they let me, and that's true, uh, Mitch Halleck. And joining me, as always, the, from the band of renown, you know him, you love him, you can't live without him, the king of Milwaukee, the, the master brewer of the of Bibbo's beer, the one and only Jerry Ordway. Hello there. What's up, Jerry? It's been almost a month since we last talked. Well, hey, did you see... I don't know if it, it, somebody posted this on, online, but oh. apparently Warner Brothers was offering some kind of food box or some license thing connected to the Batman, I mean, the uh, Justice League, the Snyder Cut. No, what, it, what do you get? It includes, well, it's like, there's like a, it's a food box. I mm-hmm. guess it must be, you know, like a frozen steak and uh, oh, some really? side dishes. But then, check this out. They have Cool Brow as a, a beverage listed, and it made me, like, go, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Why, was that, that was, one of yours? Yeah, that was Bibbo's brand. And, oh. And the, it's named after my buddy Dave Kula, who I did my oh, yeah, you comics with. That. Yeah. Yeah, so it was just weird to see the, uh, <clears throat> you know, cool brow. Is that a they, legit thing, though? Yeah, it was like I know, a... I mean, are they producing these, or is this just like a mock-up or something? No, it was a real company offering this, you know, like I said, it was a boxed meal that was supposed to somehow coincide with the Snyder cut. Oh, I just thought it was funny because, again, they, you, you know, there's the Bibbo, the Ace of Clubs apparently is a... There's the Big Belly Burger stuff that's always Right, those, both of those are in, in like, the uh, Great America theme park that's in Saudi Arabia. Oh, no, it's in du- Dubai, I <laughs> Or think. Dubai, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. So, I mean, it's, like, kind of nuts to think that those, you know, little comic, 
you know, settings from the old Superman stuff, both of which, I mean, you know, big, one is Big Boy, obviously. Mm-hmm. Big Belly Burger was uh, the Big Boy guy, except drawn as Andy Helfer. <laughs> and, uh, the, uh, I'm sure Ace he's Clubs. happy about that. <laughs> the Ace of Clubs was uh, a bar that was next to the comic place that we used to go to when we were mm-hmm. back in Milwaukee in the 70s. Was, uh, it was actually called the Ace of Spades. And when you walk past this place, you always, you know, occasionally would see like a fight break out and roll down the stairs. Oh, that's funny. The I, I have to go dig up my, my, my one screenplay that I, no, I wrote a couple screenplays, but my movie screenplay, uh, Father Vegas, which is available on Amazon if you want to buy it. Yes, copy. I have a copy of it. I know you do. So anyway, I was just saying the nightclub I made in there in 1996, I think it's called the the Ace of Aces or something like that. Oh, yeah. The, the, yeah. King, the King of Aces. So it's a it's a popular thing. I know on Archie Bunker, remember him? Um, yeah. All in the Family. His club was the, the Queens, the King of Queens or the Queen. Right, right. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. No, because no, I remember once, the, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rob Reiner. He says, what's your group called? The Queen of Queens? He goes, that's another group. We don't talk about those guys. So, <laughs> the Queens of Queens. That's all, yeah. Yeah, the, the Ace of Spades was, was not a, it was a, that was a scary bar. I mean, my yeah. mom's bar was kind of mild by comparison. A fight broke out every two years there. Is but... that where you got a bucket of blood? <clears throat> you know what that was? <laughs> no, you get the little, yeah, they give you a cup with no, the no, brand no, 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 name no. of the bars to put your teeth in after that, the fight. The, in, my, in my neighborhood in West Haven on the Post Road, near Corso's Deli, the Italian deli. Next door to it was a, a, a little bar, I think it was called Tommy K's or mm-hmm. or something. And it, one of the things on the menu was a bucket of blood. And my dad would call and order one, and I'd get scared, but all it was was a pizza. It was just a pizza with tomato sauce, no cheese. He'd go, That's yeah, funny. I'll have a bucket of blood tonight. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> what, what are we going to do? Yeah, uh, I thought you were going to say, because they, they sometimes would serve uh, tomato juice yeah. and beer in a mix. And they like call that a bucket half. of blood? No, but it was just, it was definitely like a, you know, the morning after type of, you know. Yeah, the hear the dog that bit you type of thing. <laughs> right, right. You know what's weird? I was going to just tell you, I, I never heard of this. I don't know if they had it in Milwaukee. I was asking my mom. There's a page on Facebook called Growing Up in New Haven, and I like watching it because they mention old bars that are long gone and, and you know, bookstores that I used to go to. It's all about the things you saw in the great Elm City of New Haven, Connecticut. But one of the articles was about these garbage cans that were buried in the ground and people would step on the lid, like it had like a a swivel, and it would open up and you would drop your garbage in it and the guys would come once a week to empty out the cans, but all people were commenting about was what you would think is the maggots. <laughs> People said, right. all I remember is the maggots being everywhere in the stench <laughs> in the summer. And these poor guys would just come over, open it up, pull out the garbage, and just throw it in the back of the truck and drive off with maggots. I'm like, oh, my God. How old? I mean, we didn't, nobody used plastic bags. Well, that's the thing. They didn't use plastic. You just threw it raw into this hole. You could use a newspaper bag or something. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, There weren't plastic was, bags, no. No one was composting back then, so all the food scraps and everything else yeah. was probably, once it touched the ground, it was probably warm food and fly food and what have you. But who thought this we, was a good idea? And some guy said, oh, no, my family used to just pour gasoline and, <laughs> and drop a match and burn it. And I'm thinking, 
Well, now you got fires coming out of the ground. Right. What is who's what's going on here? You know. So, well, they used to burn trash. I know they did that. We had an too. incinerator. Yeah, in our backyard, yeah. we had an incinerator. Yeah. I mean, we didn't burn it, but they had. You know, the the, the whoever collected the trash, the when they took it to the dump, yeah. the yeah. dump would burn stuff. Yeah. No, but we used we, to do we that. Had, yeah. My mom's tavern had this big metal, like a square metal thing with doors on it. Yeah. And she would just dump like the trash into that and then I guess the garbage guys had their big shovels so they shoveled it into the truck well there you go well yeah. I'm just saying we gotta get on top because I get people writing to me now and then they go can you guys actually talk about comic books because you get on a tangent and the two of you are talking about bringing back milk bottles from the milkman sometimes I'm like that's important how did you know garbage man's not um, a new superhero that Jerry's working on right now there was a trash man you know there was oh there was fight yeah, man it I was found a, kind of an underground thing was i think it was spain rodriguez was a trash man i don't know it was you, a comic it was definitely an underground kind of comic when i was searching but then we also had reed reed, reed fleming the world's toughest milkman i remember reed fleming then yeah. uh, um there was the flaming carrot too yep yep but the and thing that's is, the guy who created the what became the mystery man movie oh really bob burden yeah oh yeah. i didn't know that then there's a uh, milk toast and cheese or something like that oh yeah evan dorkin evan dorkin's yeah, yeah. thing yeah I, the other day i was moving books around i found a copy of fight man issue one <laughs> i don't even know who did i think it's um was that don simpson was that uh, yeah it was don simpson uh, yeah yes. the, yeah yeah the, the really over muscled guy who yes was, yeah yeah they all look like uh the the strongman character from uh right x, x force was it x factor x factor the larry stroman used to draw him the guy's right. name is guido Oh, speaking of which, I saw a great documentary on Marvel on Disney Plus called Behind the Mask. And the only reason why I really enjoyed it was because they had a lot of archival footage of the 70s and the 80s of the bullpen. And oh, yeah. there was Larry Hama talking, and they had footage of um, Archie Goodwin. And uh, I think I saw, uh, what's the Captain America guy that died early? 40. Oh, Grimald? Mark I thought Mark Runewall was yeah. in there. They were just all these guys, and it's so funny because I know them all nowadays from the shows, and they're, no yeah. offense, they're old men, but back in the day, they're all young, they're like in their 20s and 30s and such, and it's just like, oh, look, there's Herb Trimpey, and there's Johnny Ramita Jr., and they're all just running around the bullpen. It's crazy, man. Well, now we're older than they are. I, oh, yeah. Like, even John Ramita. I mean, we're older than John Ramita Sr. was back in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I like uh, Annie Nascente, so it, uh, they would just have a bottle of whiskey. And they would just pull it out from a desk drawer, and they start drinking, coming up with stories. I'm like, yeah, that's why. Well, you guys stories. know? Did you? You? I don't know if you've you probably have heard this, but when when uh, Mike Carlin uh, was Mark Grimwald's assistant editor, yeah, and when they had a curfew in the building where Marvel was, and they they weren't allowed to stay after I think eight o'clock or seven o'clock at night. Oh, really? And what happened was actually kind of funny was that Grimwald built a big drawer like a bed <laughs> yeah that he could that would that he could roll under his desk and he then there? he could sleep and carlin they talk they talk about this and i guess they would if they were when they were working on marvel universe yeah and certain stuff that would come in late they just slept there and yeah. but they were hidden basically like the cleaning guy would come in and not see him <laughs> to hide that's the, kind of funny in this box yeah, yeah. it just it's it's kind of hilarious but you know, it's like almost the uh, freelancer ethic where you wind up working at until five in the morning because you got a deadline and you need to finish. But 
yeah, the buildings, these were like, you know, professional buildings. They they yeah. would come in, they would clean, and you weren't supposed to be sleeping in a place no, like no, that. No, no, so. no, that's good, probably against <laughs> the policies. But, you know, it looks like those guys were working all night long. I mean, you yeah, know, they never, excuse me, they never left, it looked like, you know. Yeah, well, there was, I mean, again, it's when you're at that age, it, there's a lot of enthusiasm. You want to, you know, you feel like you're part of some some different change in comics or what yeah. have you, and you're willing to put in those hours. And I guess, you know, that's why a lot of that, I think any any of that comic stuff that we remember fondly is because people put in more than the minimum, you know? Well, well yeah, Jim Owsley, I mean, uh, Christopher Priest, well, he was Jim Owsley then. He talked yeah. about when he got the job there, he said he would literally skip down the street because he was so excited to go to work because he worked at Marvel Comics because he was a young kid. He was most like 19 or something yeah. like that. He was just out of high school, and he was just so excited to be working in New York City at, you know, Marvel Comics. And he goes, yeah. then he had to catch himself. He's like, yo, man, I can't be skipping. That ain't cool. So he, he stops. <laughs> and then Larry Hama. He, Hama's funny, too. They got pictures of Larry working there as an editor and then an artist. Larry did all. He did art. He did writing. Yeah. He did editing. He was all over the place. And, he did uh, a lot of cover. He did a lot of cover sketches too that he's not credited with, basically oh, really? because he was on staff, and you know that was easy to have a, a staff guy do a cover sketch, and then they could take it to get it approved by yeah. shooter or whoever. No, he talked about that. He said he could. He was an editor, and then he wanted to become a writer, but he couldn't get any work in Marvel. So they he took all the license jobs because they were. Yeah. You had to split the money, I guess, the fees because it was like GI Joe. Uh, because it was a license, they wouldn't pay you the full rate. They had to pay so much back to the. Uh, the well, they would get company. the. I think they split the royalty. Oh, okay. <laughs> like there was something either the books paid a, a split for part went to the licensee and yeah. part went to the creators. Yes. Yeah, so which is different than now. I mean, now you you know the, you you do comics, licensed comics. They don't they don't give royalties to the creators. It's no, just a flat, no. flat rate, which is kind of sucky in a way. No, he talked about doing that G.I. Joe stuff, and he was like, yeah. he would have done Barbie comics. He was just so hungry to get some work. And when those books, you know, the, the, when Transformers was out, there was a period of time when Carlin, when, he, when I was working with him on the Fantastic Four, he was having like run-ins over uh, artistic stuff or whatever with management, and yeah. he would shift, he'd have to you know, like, oh, you're supposed to fire this guy. And he's like, I can't fire this guy. So he would shift people over to the licensed books. And in a lot of cases, <laughs> they wound up making more money on well, the no, licensed books than I, they would have because yeah. they were selling so well on the newsstand. So, like, Transformers and Thundercats. No, G.I. Joe. Really well. G.I. Joe, Larry Hama said, was the number two book in the country at one point, even sometimes number one. Because yeah. all the kids were buying the comic, watching the cartoons, and playing with the toys. And here was this joke book that nobody wanted that was like yeah. record sales, you know? Yeah. No, and I mean, that's the thing, though. You, you, Everybody finds something, like, no one, I don't think there's very few people who go on to a project and go, yeah, I'm just going to do the minimum. Yeah. So I no, think, he, like, he talked you know, about that. Larry was good. I think maybe it was a podcast. He said that if you're not excited about it, like what you're working on, it comes across very quickly. Like if you're just yeah. doing it to get a paycheck or a job and right. there's no passion involved, that the stories suck and, and everybody knows it too, you know. Well, a reader can tell that Yeah, too, that's like. what he means, yeah. Well, remember when I remember when um, Tom Palmer was working on the Star Wars comic. Yeah. He was writing it. I mean, he was uh, drawing and inking. He yep. was doing pencils and inks. Um, and he, his kid, Tom Jr., was like the right age 
right. and was playing with the toys. So his kid was like the consultant. Oh, <laughs> no thing. kidding. It says, you know, draw this thing, and the kid would dig out the toy or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, oh, yeah. that's really great. <laughs> so it helps. I think that any of that helps when you're on something that you might not be familiar with. Yeah. But uh, I drew these. I, I drew uh, licensed stuff when I was, before I got into comics, and also, like, first couple of years, I would still get calls from Western Publishing to do toys things like puzzles or whatever and I did go bots and I did sectors and I did it was just funny how each one of these properties were like oh this is going to be the big thing and none of them wound up being the big thing Captain Power there were just a a whole slew of them that were kind of funny so even with the revivals you really get no you know there's nobody reviving go bots although I guess they did but uh, you know it's it's just funny go bots was kind of parallel came out around the same time as Transformers and it was Mm. the same basic premise both from based on a Japanese... Yeah, you you uh, never know what's going to hit, you know? Yes, yeah. no, but it's, it's a crapshoot, and that's what's funny, I guess, getting back to comics, is, like, who would think, and I mean, you know, back in when, like, U.S. Agent was uh, first introduced in a comic, who would think that a character like U.S. Agent would be part of a Marvel TV show or whatever? But who knew Marvel would have, you know, such a presence in, the, in movies and TV? Oh, either? You, yeah, you know, dude... Let me just tell you, this week's been full of stuff that you never thought were going to be valuable. Remember trading cards? Remember the whole yeah. Marvel, DC, oh, yeah. early 90s? So the other day, Steve Barker, my buddy Barker the cop, calls and says, do you have any Marvel trading cards? I said, not only do I have them, <laughs> I have them in the binders. Because you would send the wrappers in and pay like $10, and they'd send you this nice three-ring binder. The right. people that ran it was called Impel, I-M-P-E-L. They screwed up. They I ordered one binder. They sent me 10. And I remember oh. I kept two and kept my cards in them, and then I sold the rest to Mike Robb, who used to own a comic book store that we knew right. called Flamingo Street. This is the early 90s. And uh, suddenly last week, all those old trading cards were on fire. No one knows why. No one can explain it. But on eBay, they were going for, like, the holograms, you know, the real shiny 3D ones. Yeah. They were going for like eighty bucks a piece. A complete set wow. of five was going for you know two, three hundred dollars. I'm like, wait, I have that junk. Wow. So, so and then Barker made about five hundred bucks last week on eBay because he sold off the the little hologram cars that had been sitting. But there's in no, room. I mean, we don't know why. No, okay. and then and then here's the best one. I had an unopened box of the X Men cards. There was a uh, chase thing where you can get a Jim Lee autograph card or something like that when they came out when Jim Lee was on the X-Men book in the 90s. I had an unopened box still shrink wrapped in my garage I would walk by that every day. It was on a shelf every single day. I was like oh look I wonder one day if I'll open it up and see if there's a Jim Lee card in there. And I cleaned when the pandemic started I remember being stuck here and I cleaned my garage and I remember getting the box of cards and I googled them or eBay looked them up at the time It said that sealed box was worth about 30 bucks. I'm like, whatever. I don't know why I had to touch it, because I can't find it right now. That's what began the search last week. That box of unopened cards is going anywhere between $500 to $1,000. On the possibility of having an autograph card? No, sealed boxes of trading cards are like gold right now. Wow. They're going for hundreds of dollars, and I'm like killing myself because literally I would walk in from the car every night, turn the light off in the garage, look to my right, and on that shelf sat this box of X-Men cards, and I keep going, one day I'm going to look inside, and I go, forget that, I'm selling this thing. 
I well, cannot I have, find them now. So I have a, a giant uncut sheet of the Death of Superman cards. There that you go. It's really huge, and I think it kind of has been dinged up a little bit, but it was on. It was just an uncut, you know, the full set. But uh, I, I worked on cards for like the DC Universe ones. The oh wait, yeah. I did, yeah, I did a Shazam. I did the Shazam hologram one that's got like three stages of the transformation. It had a background. It had Billy Batson. And you it still have them? The cards, yeah, yeah. I have a couple of them. They never were. It, it was hard to get like multiples or duplicates of those things because DC didn't get specific cards. They would just get like giant sets. Yeah. And they would try to divvy them up with whoever drew them. But uh, no, I saw Bill Sinkevich sold off. Uh, he had a couple uncut sheets of those Marvel cards. Yeah. He was cleaning his studio out. He said, "I don't need these anymore. If anybody wants them, instant message me." So, yeah. but I don't. Well, I, have I, the, I, I can't. You explain. have the Star Wars ones. I mean, there was a yes. The, the Hildebrand brothers did yep. a really nice. Um, and then they also did a Marvel set. I have those. I have Joe Jusco did a Joe Jusco Marvel masterpieces. I have those. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. did the Marvel thing, and he did the Tarzan one. And, I never uh, got Tarzan. No. Yeah, it's really nice. And yeah, but, I, I mean, there was a lot. I said Image Comics did them. I did like a couple of Spawn cards. I did a couple of uh, Wildstorm cards. I did like a, what was the other one? I'm trying to think now. I mean, there's a couple. Of st- we have, actually have a, a Wildstar. I thought we did a hologram one, too, for Wizard way back in the day. But, um, yeah, it was always hard to do those because you never, there was no guarantee. Like with a comic, you kind of knew you'd get five copies of a comic or at least you could go to a comic store and track them down but with the cards being like randomly packed you know you'd have to it's like i'm not going to go buy like a, a case of cards just to look for a couple right. of copies of mine so no but uh, no, yeah. one can, no one can explain why they suddenly were like the hot commodity a week or so it, it's still going i mean it might die yeah. out quick but well, I don't people know i think it's aren't we finding that that people are you know we're we're almost a year into the uh shut down and I think people are kind of going through like boredom you know yeah. I mean we started with making everybody was baking bread <laughs> you oh, know yeah, now yeah, what yeah. so you know now, now people are playing board games, games and I'm sure board games have, have, have you know become popular Netflix and Disney and HBO Max have all you know gained subscribers yeah a lot of people well, have made money during the during the pandemic. Oh yes, I mean, I've talked to some friends that we know that they said they've made more money last year than they did years prior. And you're like, really? During all this? Well, so. I read that this there's a little app or some kind of thing where you you can get like a semi celebrity to do a personal yeah yeah cameo yeah yeah it that's a good that, thing. like Gilbert Gottfried made like a million bucks. Yeah, I read the same article in a year, yeah. and I'm like, holy crap! I mean, it good for them. The guy but from The just, Office that played Kevin, yeah, yeah. he said he made yeah. over a million bucks just sitting in his it's house. It's kind of nuts. Well, I mean, some of them are like 35 bucks. My friend Ed just had Paul Michael Glazer send his wife a birthday greeting. And I said, how much was that? He goes, like 75 bucks for like three minutes. And right. you, you write down what the information, like, oh, it's my wife's birthday. She's 51. Right. And, you know, some facts. Here's what she likes. And then they send it to the actor, and he turns on the Zoom call thing. and. Hey, Jerry, I hear you right. like drinking beer. Uh, you know, why don't we go get Huggy Bear and drive around in Zebra 3 and we'll drink a Can you record couple. that, though? I mean, is that just like lost if somebody does that? Are they recording the messages? Yeah, no, they're recording through? it, and they send you the file because my friend oh, okay. showed me the... Uh, so they're going to say that would be like getting a phone call and then like, oh, <laughs> you damn, it. I just yeah. talked to somebody. Who called me? Starsky. Damn it. <laughs> damn it, I missed my call from Starsky. So... <laughs> 
No, I, well, I mean, I miss my. I, I, I think of all the times that I talk to people who are now gone, you know, and no, you know, you wouldn't think like, oh, I'm going to record this phone call, but in in today's day and age, you certainly would have more of a digital or a track, you know, a way to, to have those conversations that you didn't have in the old days. No, somebody, like Gil Kane, somebody told to me Gil that they, they say they're saving old messages because. Lots of times, you know, a lot of people, you know, they pass away, and that's all you yeah. have sometimes is a voice message, you know. Well, I remember Stan Lee did, recorded a message for Wizard, for the, not Wizard, for the um, New York Comic Con. Yeah, I remember that. And I had that playing on my answering machine, and I was like, oh, my God, that is so funny. Yeah. It's Stan Lee. And I'm thinking, like, you know, I think I still have that tape somewhere, but I don't know how you how it would play. I don't know if you uh-huh. could play those. You know, the, I had an old I do remember that. I remember coming home and I'm my answer, hey, buddy, this is your old pal Stan right. Lee. This weekend's New York <laughs> Comic Con. I'm like, Stan Lee knows my number. Yeah. yeah, he's like Santa Claus. I told you how weird was it that I had an email from uh, an agent for a right. comic book thing, and I started going through the thread, and it was from 2016, maybe, and there, and there was Stan Lee's email on one of the email correspondence way in the bottom. I'm like, oh, my God. I have. It's, it's. There's nobody going to answer it now if I write to him. Yeah, right. <laughs> I had Stanley's email, direct email. But Unfortunately, they all go to the, the dead letter office. The dead letter office. <laughs> that's a that's a story. That used hey, to be a thing. Hey, speaking of uh, dead dead stuff, I was watching HBO last night, and I watched Death of the Family, the DC animated special. The movie. Oh, is that on there already? It is. I was like, it just came out, and uh, I never bought it on DVD, but I watched it last night. And it's really good because it has, like, a DC showcase. They have, like, five stories mm-hmm. in this one movie. So the opening is the uh, Robin, Red Hood, Batman story. Then you've got a Sergeant Rock one by Louise and Walt Simonson, which was really cool. And then there's Death, you know, the character from Sandman? Mm-hmm. She's there by J.M. DeMattius. He wrote that one. And then there's an Adam Strange one on there. And then there's another one with the Phantom Stranger. So they're all shorts? They're all shorts, but they're about 15 minutes long. So the, the, yeah. the main one is the Batman one, which is about 40 minutes. And then right. the other ones fill it. So be honest with you, the Phantom Stranger and the Sergeant Rock and Death were the best ones on the whole thing. So better than the Batman. But here's the deal, though. I did not get the DVD. You know how you could call and decide whether Robin lived or died? Yes. If you have the DVD, it was interactive. So when you came to that point in the story, on your screen, it said decide whether Robin dies or lives or something else happens. And you got to click on which ending you wanted Interesting. for the cartoon. But if you watch the digital version, you only get one ending. You don't get the yeah. uh, the multiple choice. So it's kind of kind of sucky in that way. But yeah. that was what I watched on HBO. What have you been watching? I watched... Uh... Judas and the Black Messiah. And how was which that? Which was about the the uh, Black Panther guy who infiltrates for the FBI. Yes. Um, it was good. It was it was good. The the one thing that you always get out of, I mean, in a in a way, you get more out of like them showing the pictures of the real guys at the end, and then yeah. what ha- yeah. happened after the movie. And what's weird is to think about how young um, the characters all were, the real people. Yeah, the, Bobby the guy Seale. who was killed was like 20, 21 years old or something. And you, you, know, you think about it, I guess, looking back on stuff, you don't think of all these 
different movements being young people. But it's, you know, it's true. It's just that I think as you get older, you assume, oh, this was all a bunch of 30-year-olds or something. But, no, they're uh, all kids. Yeah, but that's the scary and weird part, you know, to think that, you know, the this guy was killed by the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, is that 20 or just... Is that the guy that go to his apartment just basically, like, machine gun the hell out of it? Yeah, well, they had... Right, well, that's a uh, spoiler. Well, you it's know, a historical died, fact. Yeah. yeah, they shot but up But, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's nuts. And, uh, you know, the only downside, again, is just what we're... I think I'd messaged you earlier, is that Martin Sheen plays... Uh, yes. Jay Hoover... And they had to use such extensive makeup. He almost looks like a, a Freddy Krueger like or something. a rubber I mean, it just, mask. Yeah. It looks really bad. Does it look like it, false it, face from the Batman TV show? Well, it makes me, yeah. I mean, it makes me think of all the bad Nixons we've had in different shows. <laughs> you know, where they, it's like, there's plenty of people you don't, who you know look so like funny? that guy. You don't, I mean, Martin Sheen's a good enough actor. You don't need the prosthetics and the makeup to, like, pull it off. You, Christopher Plummer... Play, he just passed away. He played away. He played Michael Mike Wallace. Yeah. In one of those uh, docu. Right, right. Movies. It was uh, was that the Michael Mann thing about the uh, sixty? Wasn't there a sixty minutes? Yeah, yeah. But the movie? thing of it is, yeah, yeah. Christopher Plummer didn't put any makeup on. He didn't. He didn't. Right. He didn't dye his hair to look like Mike Wallace. He just actually had his mannerisms, and they said that's Mike. Well, you're like, okay, I don't need. And to. they could have done that. I think if you you just like okay, comb the guy's hair back into the slick. You know the real cream look that the these yeah. people wore back then and then just roll with it if you want him hey, otherwise Gar- there's plenty of actors yeah. who have that kind of blocky square head yeah. and balding that you could find to play it yeah it just it, it feels like you know you're pushing a a, a, a circle into a square hole and, yeah. and it, it takes you out of it in a way i mean that's that was one of the things with uh, watchmen i remember the oh the richard movie nixon had the bad, bad nixon yeah. and then they, they've done it you know, more more than that, Nixon pops up in something, and yeah. it's like, well, he had a specific look, but either just hire an actor yeah. and let him do it. But when you start, it, my, I had mentioned this to my brother. My brother said it's because the, H, you know, the uh, high-definition TV. Yeah, it is. Like a lot of it, yeah. But, you know, again, some of the makeup can be really good. I just think it's harder when somebody doesn't have the right specifics and they try to make them have the right specifics uh, and suddenly they look like they're a dick tracy villain or something yeah yeah, yeah. they look like you uh know. yeah yeah like flat top or something from right uh, right i was thinking of like what was it little face or whatever like prune, prune whatever face Justin <laughs> remember, like, remember the guy in the movie he had like the little face surrounded by a big head yeah oh, oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> baby face yeah i remember that one yeah that was a creepy movie now i think about it I remember yeah, the Dick guy Tracy. that played Flat Top was freaking me out. But but I mean Dick Tracy had the great, you know, the great visual villains, and yeah. they just blew him off. Like Pruneface was a great, really good actor cast for him, and it was only like he was almost a cameo, hmm. and and instead we got you know Al Pacino for the whole movie. Oh no no, like, I was I thinking Dustin, Dustin Hoffman was Mumbles. Remember that? Yeah, he was Mumbles. He fit, he fit, but I'm saying like the the, the you know in, in a case yeah. of that, it's like I think I would have rather seen. Prune face or, or whatever. I didn't need a, a new guy who yeah. looked like Al Pacino and you know whatever. But yeah, yeah. I haven't watched that movie in a long time. I, I think it's on Disney Plus. I gotta check. I it mean, out. it's not a bad movie. It's 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 entertaining. It's mm. just that it's it's again a case where you think of the Dick Tracy did I, have I, that I great think, rogues I th- gallery. I think there was such an expectation for it to be as big as the Batman movie the year before. <laughs> 
because I remember they had a special screening of it, and you had to buy a T-shirt to go to the screening, and it was a the, the ticket was the T-shirt. It said like special performance, of, and they were all numbered. So I I don't even know where that T-shirt is, but I bought the shirt, and it had a silhouette of of Warren Beatty as Dick Yeah, yeah, Casey. it's a good. It was a nice a nice graphic. It was, yeah. yeah, and then you wore that to the movie premiere that night, and they let you in, and I saw it that night. But it was like you said, it's a fun movie, but it's not like you know. Superman or something amazing, yeah. but it was. Yeah. But you know what the thing that killed me because di- he didn't have the Dick Tracy nose. Speaking of prosthetics yeah. and makeup, I think they tried to yeah, give him that hawk that they, nose, but they it tried was really to do bad. The, the nose and the chin, but they didn't quite have the. No, so they they said let's not do that. Let's not give him that. Look. But again, I mean, if you if you're willing to accept an actor in a role, yeah. then let the actor be the character. And you know, we as comic fans are always. You know, oh, they're going to make this character into a movie, and then you everybody starts talking. Oh, this would be a good actor to yeah, play him. Yeah. And we're always thinking in a visual term. Yeah. But well, Hollywood thinks in box office or in other, you know. So I mean, the guys you... who the guys who look like the characters generally are not the people they cast. But you're, you know, usually very often works out. Yeah. Do you, do you remember when Alec Baldwin would transform into the shadow in the movie? Yeah. And, he, and he looked like his brother. He Billy. looked like his brother yeah. Billy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. They could have just hired Billy to play. I know. Show. It was like it was. I I like that movie a lot. I think the show yeah, is one fun. of the better ones. It's fun. It's fun. And the, but I just remember when you look in the back seat and he's got the nose on and the eyes. I'm like, what happened? What's going he on? He transformed into his brother. Was Penelope Ann Miller? Is she the girl in um, Dick yes. Tracy too? Uh, no, that was um. Oh, she just passed away. She was in she Dirty did? Rotten Scoundrels with. Uh, Steve Martin and Michael Caine. Oh, she really? Was big during that time. I can't think of her name now. Oh, I didn't know but that. She, she had just passed, passed away. away. She was last year or something. Oh, I didn't. She must have been young then, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think of young like my age, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it becomes relative, right? That's weird. I didn't know that she died. Oh, that's too bad. I remember the kid that was in that was Charlie Charlie Corzmo. Corzmo. He was like the big deal. Yeah. Well, it's funny because like enough you've noticed, like we were, we probably saw like little teasers for the Superman and Lois show. Yeah, it's coming on. I and think this week or next week. Apparently, the they have teenage kids. Uh huh. Two teenage sons or something, and I thought that was, you know, that sounded like. By the way, was the actress's name Glenn Headley? Yes. Yeah, she did pass away. Yeah, she was in a bunch of stuff during that. Uh, Oh, she passed away in 2017, buddy. Yeah, okay, well, a couple years ago. A couple years ago, and she was, uh, let's see how old, she was born in 1955, she wasn't that old. Well, she was, right, but that's still, she was 62. Yeah, she was. She was married to Jay Thomas? Yeah. I mean, she was, she was very, very, there's a lot of actresses like that that unfortunately would either. Oh, no, 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 she was married, she was married to John Malkovich. Yeah. That's weird. Anyway, what were you saying? I'm sorry. Uh, no, I was, I was talking about the Superman and Lois show. Oh, yeah, that new show. But they, like that, they fixed that, his costume. You know, yeah. The guy playing Superman was the kid, the son from um, the what? Tom Hanks um, Road, to, Road to Perdition. That's movie. the same kid? Yeah, grown up. No. It is. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. Oh, because it's funny. You know, so I found my Road to Perdition graphic novels the other day uh, when I was looking for the epic X-Men cards. They were in a box. Because they did a, they did a sequel to that, you know. 
when the movie came out, they they did they reprinted, but then they also did I think two or three. Yeah, Road to Perdition, Road to Purgatory, and Road to yeah. Paradise. It's all by Max. One of Allen. them, I think, one of them was drawn by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Yeah, and they're all uh, by Max Allen Max yeah. Allen Collins, right? Yeah, I still have those. I, I I looked at those recently too. I had them in a, on a shelf downstairs. No. There's a lot of. I mean, that that's the the side part of comics that was interesting too is that the you know, the rise of the big superhero movie did bring a lot of smaller properties to the screen, but they clearly didn't have the same, you know, audience recognition or yeah. whatever, public recognition, so. I looked at Charlie Corsimo from that movie. He uh-huh. went to the Yale Law School. Excuse me, Charlie. Oh, yeah. He's 42 years old. He looks like a weird mock-up of Ray Romano and uh, what's the, Andy Garcia? Well, he was kind of a, I mean, you know, no offense to him, but he was kind of an an oddball-looking kid. He's an oddball-looking adult right now. In the vein of, like, maybe, you know, this will segue to WandaVision, but last week they did the, uh, like, a takeoff of the Malcolm in the Middle uh, opening. Yeah, 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 yeah. it took me a while to figure out what they were parodying this week. I go, oh, yeah, it's totally Malcolm in the Middle now. Yeah. Well, because they even have the kid talking to the screen, which is what Malcolm do the... But yeah, it's funny. So I don't know if you saw this. This was on the weekend as well. I think some one of the news outlets or whatever was kind of making complaining a bit about the what? WandaVision. Why? And saying, you know, it was like, oh, it's just a like a it's like a movie, but it's in chapters. And like a bunch of people were like, well, yeah, it's called TV. Yeah. <laughs> it was just funny. And, and you know, everybody. I think people have to realize that that a lot of the stupid stuff on media is because they're trying to fill a void. You know, yeah. they always need new material. Yeah. So they make up stories. It's like stuff that doesn't exist or isn't a controversy. They'll write about it because, hey, we need to fill space. I think it's the the whole WandaVision, when it first started, people were flipping out because it didn't look like every other show when they were doing yeah. the 50s and 60s black and white. I don't right, know what's right. happening. I mean, literally, people were, their, their heads were exploding. They're like, it's not like something I normally see. I can't live well, like people this. Were, I remember reading the, the the other one that cracked me up was people going, it's not funny. And it's like, well, well you know, who said it was supposed point, to be funny? Right. The point of it kind of, it is funny. Right. But it's not a sitcom because you know it's something else. You yeah. know it's not just, I mean, you don't go into that, into a Marvel show and go, oh, this is just going to be a sitcom. I mean, right. clearly it was the way of framing a story. So I just oh, thought that people, was funny. People got to calm down. I like what's going on so far. That's why when people were telling me, I like also because I do something with a comic convention, they think I have control over it. Or, or you <laughs> might be, Jerry right. writes and draws comics. I'm going to complain to him right. about this. And they're writing to me like, hey, WandaVision, I don't like it. I'm like, no, okay. What, what are you going to do about it? Uh, let right. me get up. Get Kevin Feige on the phone right now. Bob the cop doesn't <laughs> like it. It's like, well, okay, Bob. Well, sorry. the best the best one is, and I think people throw this at artists or writers is, you know, I don't know why you're not doing such and such book because they don't like whoever's doing it yeah, or whatever. And yeah. I'm like, well, they, they, dude, I have no. They didn't <laughs> no hire me. Yeah. Like I go into, you know, would go up to DC and hold hostages. Exactly. Oh, my God. Jerry Ordway's in the lobby. Listen here. If I'm not drawing Batman by the time I leave this building, there's going to be... I'm not leaving until I get a JSA uh, project. You hear me? Uh, Get that... But it's like that with actors, too. I'm sure that there's actors out there who, you know, get questioned about why they're not doing this or that. And so much of it is these are all decisions that are out of 
you know, any individual's hands. It's whoever has the money is making <laughs> making the decision. Well, no, I like. I mean, I don't know. We want to do spoilers and stuff, but on WandaVision, the whole reveal of uh, her brother being the fellow from the other X-Men movie series, it's been on for two weeks now. I think everybody... The internet spoiled that 15 minutes after it happened anyway. <laughs> so I watch... You know what's so great about WandaVision? I wake up on Fridays to do the radio show here in, in Connecticut. So I'm up at like 4.30 in the morning. And, oh, and they drop it. WandaVision at 3 a.m. So I watch it before anybody gets to ruin <laughs> it for me. So, you know... That's the same so thing with the Mandalorian. Ruining, you're passing on ruining it for people who don't have. No, I don't. I, I hold my Disney tongue. Plus, the Mandalorian the DVD release. The Mandalorian. I knew the whole Luke Skywalker reveal at like four thirty in the morning, but there was nobody to tell, so I just sat there. And went, oh, okay. You know. <laughs> so here's a question: Do you know if is is uh, Disney Plus releasing these things on? Blu-ray or DVD? I would hope so, with, like, extra features and such. I would hope so. Because, I mean, they're trying to drive subscribers, yeah. you know? Yeah. But it would be neat to see, like, a um, a collection, of, you know, show, TV show, whatever. Well, I told you but I still have, have that hesitation with all this digital stuff because you don't own it. And yeah. if tomorrow Netflix or Disney Plus says, hey, we're not going to show this movie anymore, and you don't have a copy of it, you're up the creek, really. Cause right. Because it's like, well, well if you can't watch it now. Right, if they want you to watch whatever they're putting on now. Right, they don't want right. you to watch something. Well, like I, Wonder I feel Woman. That way with the, Net, the Netflix shows, they kind of cut them off at the knees once they stopped because they, they didn't release all of those no. shows on Blu-ray or DVD. No, I, I had Daredevil. I had Daredevil season one and season two. Luke Cage came out, and then yeah. Jessica Jones, but they didn't put them all out because they never did season three. And they let them. Those are all out of print. So yeah. they're if you look them up online, they're you know whatever people want to charge for them. Yeah, or you can get some weird bootleg from like Bulgaria right. on eBay, and you get it. It's got weird subtitles. No, what I was going to say to you about um, like the streaming stuff, like Wonder Woman was streaming for free on HBO Max yeah. for a month, and now it's not. So yeah. the only way you get to see it is you got to do the pay per view or. I'm Blu-ray assuming the is coming Blu-ray. out. Yeah, I'm assuming yeah, the Blu-ray. Yeah, it's coming out March 10th or something. It's coming yeah. out on Blu-ray. And then, again, I'd rather see something that has the extras. Yeah. You know, I enjoy watching. Well, the... I like the audio commentary because I like putting that on as I'm doing something and listening yeah. to the director or the actors talk about whatever that was going on behind the scenes. I'm one of those nerds. I always got into the. Uh, and they're talking the directly stuff. to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are. They, I hear the voices in my head. Hey, speaking of talking too much. What do you think about that, and talking about Mandalorian, what do you think about that Gina Carano? Carano? Oh, yeah, yeah. How she got yeah. let go from uh, Disney? Yeah. Are you surprised? I mean, well, no, because there, the, there was crazy stuff coming about coming out, like, back in, even when the show was still, like, in November, I remember, yeah. you know, for the last probably six months that she's been making comments. I mean, the problem isn't about, I mean, People are going, oh, it's cancel culture or whatever. The problem is anybody working on a show, any show, is an employee technically. And, like, you're not allowed to create controversy, whether it's one way or the other. It could be left or right, you know what I mean? Or just space stuff like QAnon or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Companies don't like you to create controversy that's not specific to having people watch your show (laughs) so so regardless of whether she was you know let go because of what what she did i i'm firmly 
convinced that they gave her a chance and yeah. that they probably told her, hey, cool it. Yeah. You know, and then someone doesn't cool it or they keep doing it, then it's a... They you gave know, you the warning. Yeah. It's a pattern. They warned you and, yeah, okay, you're obviously not going to listen to what we're saying. Well, no. And whether you want to say that's censorship, that happens everywhere. I mean, people sign non-disclosure things all yeah. the time. Yeah. And especially in entertainment stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, for years, they, you would have Hollywood had that morality clause in all the actors' con, uh, contracts. So it's like yeah. if you did something that they just didn't gel that was, you know, PC before that even became a term, right, you were out right. of a job because it was a legal contract because you had something you, in there that said, w- w- I remember Wayne Rogers never signed his, and that's how he left MASH because yeah. he, he questioned it. He said, what is this morality clause? They said, well, right. if you do something that we don't feel is in the best interest of the studio, you're let go. He goes, and what exactly right. does that entail? And they go, well... It could be whatever they it, want it, to Whatever get rid they of want you. to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they want to get rid of you, it's like they're, you they're know, out. get out of yeah. jail free card. It's yeah. like, okay, we don't have to dispute this or we don't have to, we can right. just fire them. Yeah, so you go, in, you, you, you go into that, because I wasn't surprised. I was like... I didn't even know what she said, but I was like, she's working for a humongous corporate entity like Disney. Right. You say the wrong thing. They have so many markets that they sell that show, like right. international markets. And you, you say something that might upset a, a local country. I don't know what, but right, whatever right. it is, you're, 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 that's, that's money off the table that they're not going to get. Right. And you're out of a job. It's not that hard right. to figure it out. Well, this is it's never more clear than in like a big company like Disney trying to deal with with China, for yeah. example, which yeah. is a big market for TV movies or for, you know, for theatrical stuff. And the problem there is they're self-censoring mm-hmm. based on, oh, we can't do this because China won't let us show this movie. Mm-hmm. Or if we do this, we're going to have to cut it. And is it going to be an important enough part that the movie will still be okay with, you know? So, I mean, there's always those things. And that has nothing to do with anything except the company of origin, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. well, I'm, like I'm, when I was, when I was on D, when I was working for DC, right. if I was under contract, I wouldn't really be as free to post and tweet and all that no, as I no, do no, now no. because they would expect more of you, you yeah. know, I mean, whether, you know, I don't know if they, if they enforce that, but in the early days of the internet, you know, you really weren't supposed to be controversial in any way. No. And, and, you know, you take that for what it what it's worth. If you're, you know, working for somebody and you don't want to jeopardize your job, you could be, I mean, you could be in any job. You could be the bus driver, school oh, bus yeah. driver. You could be any of, yeah. you, you, you do have to think about what your, what the consequences of your, you know, what you're saying or doing are going to be. So, I Absolutely. mean, I'm not excusing no. it, but it's just that's the way life has always in, been. In, in the recent months, the volatility of the political atmosphere of this country and everything that's been going on, I've seen people on Facebook that I know or I'm associated yeah. with or, or met through the shows or whatever, right. or radios or whatever, and I see some of the stuff they put on their own page. Granted, yeah. it's their own page. But I said to my friend who's a lawyer, he's retired, I said, what happens if your employer gets wind of some of the stuff that you're putting out there and it's really radical right can they call you up and say hey you're, you don't work for us anymore he's like well it depends on what type of job they have but more and more companies when they go to hire you they review your social media yeah and they yeah. see what you say and you know they might not want you part of their organization if you're out there rallying on about whatever yeah. It makes well, they actually recommend. The, I've read this that in in uh, some of the job stuff, the 
articles talking about looking for jobs that you should actually go through and scrub your social media before really? you apply for a job. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's, it is a censorship in a way, but it's the, it's the world we live in, and it, it wouldn't be different. I don't think it would be different in any other time. No. I think, I think maybe we were more, you know, you can be conservative and not be a, a nut job, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You, can be, you can be liberal and not be a nut job. Right. And I'm not saying that everybody's like that, right. but there are extremes, you know, in, in, in any interest. Yeah, you know, no, no, you no, could no, be no. a comic fan and you could be a nut job. You know what I'm saying? No, it, and I don't mean it, this. No. I mean, like, like you could talk about a movie, yes. right? Yeah. And have somebody want to stab you to death because they don't like your opinion on a movie. No, no, and no. It's like, no, no. hey, dude, it's a movie, you know, you, or you, whatever. It's not, you, you know. No, I hear what you're saying. You could be passionate about your belief or your idea or your opinion, but there comes some common sense to it as well that you got to sit back a little bit and say, hey, you know. It's well, you just, have to, you, you have to let air into your into the environment, which means yeah, other people have an opinion too. Yeah, and it's different. Like if you're saying a, a fact, yeah. you know, the Earth is round versus no, the Earth is triangular wow. shape. Yeah, I mean that's not a difference of opinion necessarily. <laughs> you know, what I mean it's mm. it's it's fact based or whatever. And the other thing so, is too, I think everybody for some reason I've talked about this before. Everyone thinks they're famous now. And they all think that their opinion is like, well, I've got to go out and tell everybody what I think because I have all these people listening to me. I don't think they you're is well. They, they live in their own fantasy world. Right. This right. Facebook is a, a bizarre, like the Matrix. You you create your own persona, your own right. little online character, and everyone's well, the lines of division between crazy. people have have, have yes. you know definitely. I mean, Facebook and Twitter and all the other ones, they kind of. It's almost like they, they prime you yeah. to accept the fact that somebody liking something yeah. is like a personal contact. Yes. In other words, you're primed to over, I guess, not over-appreciate, but over, uh, you know, you, you place more importance on that. Like, mm -hmm. oh, my God, Mark Hamill liked a tweet of mine. That doesn't mean Mark Hamill's my friend. No. That no, doesn't oh, mean that he's, yeah. you know, opened some avenue of conversation or whatever. It just means that he saw something and maybe he liked it in a, you know, yeah. fit of uh, bad judgment. <laughs> no, no, that 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 extends. I remember there was a guy on Facebook. I think it was a year or two ago, and somebody told me about it. They said, "Hey, do you know, you know, Joe Schmo?" I'm like, "No, who right. is that?" Well, he says he's a friend of yours. I go, "I don't know who you're talking about." Well, he says that he's in a group now and said that you would never do this when it comes to this or the show. And I was like, wait, what? Who? And I had to go to the page and I, I saw the comments and I wrote back. I said, all due respect, sir, I don't know who you are and I don't know why you're saying that. He goes, no, don't you know me? I've come to your show and we've met. And I said, I, again, no offense. I wouldn't know you if I tripped over you. I don't know who you are. I meet thousands of people at those shows. And he's like, well, we're best friends. I, I swear it was getting scary because... I had no idea who this guy. He could knock at my door, and I'd be like, "I don't know yeah. who you are." But, but see, it's a it's a no harm, no foul thing if it's just somebody. But, no, that's but fine. It's fine. But when but somebody's then, trying to play off of yes, like oh, I'm best friends with somebody. That's I, what he was doing. Speaking for yeah. them, it's different. But that's what he was doing. One, yeah, he's like Mitch is a friend of mine, and Mitch says this, and I go, <laughs> I, I don't know who you are, man. Well, so. thinking about this about the Gina Carano thing is the, this last week. There's been much more about Joss Whedon. Yeah, and yeah. that's you know it's it's weird in the way that I I I was 
you know, talking to my kids about this, because I was thinking, like, if you look at what's coming out about Joss Whedon, uh-huh. it sounds like it's been, like, boy, this guy was a really bad boss. For a long time, not just on Justice But I'm saying, like, yeah. it's it's weird in a way to, to then, it's like, okay, do we, do you suddenly not like anything that Joss Whedon did when yeah. it was, you know, most of it's created by hundreds of people. Right. But, but the, the bottom line is everybody, and I'm not, I'm not excusing behavior at all, but mm-hmm. I think everybody's been in a toxic work relationship. Oh, yeah. And there's not that many bosses who are generally all around nice people. No, they're not. You know? Nope. Um, that's the thing that I thought was interesting was that why is this coming out now? Why didn't it come out? Why didn't people open up when he had his sex scandal or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of years ago, and it's 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 always kind of interesting because again, at what point has somebody not had a bad, you know, boss, dude, or we, bad work relationship? It's that's and and yeah. not excusing it, people should be called out on it. But right. there's a certain point where you go, okay, there's a lot of pressure on the boss, mm-hmm. and there's probably better ways to handle it. Yeah, but. If it's a once-in-a-while thing, is it something that you just go, okay, this guy's just having a bad day, oh, I'm no. walking away? Oh, no. Or is he suddenly, or she suddenly like a persona non grata? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, everything's yeah, yeah. got a level to it, I guess. No, I mean, <clears throat> if we want to go off on bad bosses, I could tell stories that people's the, the nose would curl. The hair yeah. in their nose would curl if they knew some of the stuff I had. Yeah, no, with. you told yeah. me some of this stuff. Oh, yeah, and, and people it's, go, it's nuts. And, I, and, and I had people say to me, especially my friend Joe, who's a lawyer, he's like, why didn't you just quit? And then I'm thinking to myself, uh, I was newly married, had right, two right. young kids, a mortgage, and I was making pretty good coin. Right. And you, you, you don't want to be that way, but you're in a situation right. where, like, if I walk out the door, I'm not going to get unemployment. I'm not right. going to find a job that's going to pay me six figures like I'm making right now. No, maybe, I'm, also, maybe I'm being too same. sensitive. Maybe I'm but just, those, yeah. Those same things, yeah. I think those same same concerns occur in every job. Yeah, so like if, if you're, you're on a Hollywood actor, set and you have a problem with Tom the director, Cruise, yeah, you might not work the again. Lead, yeah. The lead guy can probably, you know, walk off or make a statement or whatever, but if you're any of the supporting people, you might never work you again. Get, you might get branded as a troublemaker because, Correct. hey, guess what? There's like a thousand other people who are running shows and movies and what have you and they all that are talk. the same. Yeah. And they're going to be like, oh, this person just, you know, this uh, whatever, yeah. us Wheaton or whoever it is, that, that, that does exist. And that's the same way in comics. No, I mean, we talked people... about that before. Man. Didn't I tell, you told me that they would just say, oh, that guy misses his deadline. Right. And that right. means it's, it's don't hire that to guy. to make excuses yeah. or to... to, to basically kill somebody's career yeah. over hearsay because it, it sticks whether it's true or not mm-hmm. and of course we know that now with, with anything is that if you repeat something enough times people you know a lot of people will accept it especially as, as on the true. internet yeah yeah in the even so I mean like I've, I've known plenty of artists and, and writers who were you know either branded as troublemakers you know, troublemakers or bad I mean, bad risk as far as deadlines or yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Even somebody like, oh, this person uses a lot of help. So if you're hiring so and so, you might not be getting so and so. You're getting the three people who are doing most of the work or whatever. Well, you know all what? All those though? things. Those things are all. It, what you should really, and a comic fan will look at it and they'll either like it or they won't. Mm. You know. So it really, it's unfair. But I, I know a lot of people who have gotten, you know, had had their work kind of uh, dry up because they. Yeah. 
been, oh, this is, you know. Well, here, here's one for you. Here's one for you. And I, I'm not going to mention the name. But another artist writer who's out there now, still active, has been around for a long time, says on a post a couple months ago, when is the time that we're all going to come out and talk about artist Mr. X and his substance abuse problems he had, and we all look the other way about it? And I'm sitting there going, okay, Mr. X died a good 10 years ago or more. What good will come of talking about this man who had this whatever problem, drugs, right. alcohol, right. 30 years ago, and everybody kind of knew about it in the industry, and they all looked the other way. And I'm like, to talk about it now, the guy's not here to defend himself. Right. He might have right. relatives. I don't know if he has sons or daughters or wives or mothers. I don't know what his re- relations are still alive. Right. What, what, what are you going to get at it? I mean, honestly, by putting this guy down, who's long since dead, what, 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 what's the point of this? What, what are you, you yeah. going to feel better about yourself? I don't get that kind of whole bizarre no. thing about let's talk about somebody who's dead and the things he did 30 yeah. years ago that were not cool. And I'm like, I mean, people, and again, get if, over you're, it, you know? if you're working with somebody who has issues, you try to help them, yeah. but you can't help everybody. I mean, people do need to help themselves. Right. Sometimes, right. sometimes reaching out is helpful. Right. Because it makes people aware. Oh wow, maybe no. I but I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, but I'm, the guy I'm talking about, and I'll tell you later off when we're not recording yeah. who it is. The guy's got a great reputation, lots yeah. of fans. They love the guy's work. He's he's an icon. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I never knew about that he had some kind of substance problem. And I don't. Who am I? Right. I I'm a stranger. I never met the guy. But did it, it didn't impact what you you no. You like? person's work it would but the, and that, that goes back to what you were saying when you were telling your kids does that mean you now go back knowing about this and go well i gotta throw those comics away because right. i heard this guy was a cokehead or this guy right. was a a, a boozer i'm like what? Right. it doesn't right. change the enjoyment you received from reading that book or looking at that piece of art right. so i don't know what's the benefit of saying well that guy he was a cokehead or he was right. a heroin addict okay he had his problems right I, I, right well, I mean, and again, not to, I guess to take this even further is, is there's like an instance where you can talk about, um, I mean, there's people like, I guess, yeah, I got to just say, like, I think about people like Jeff, Jeffrey Jones, who yeah. had, um, you know, changed his gender um, in his later years or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, that stuff does, I mean, there's stuff like that that obviously goes on all the time. Yeah. And you think about someone going through any kind of crisis yeah. or any identity thing, whether it's, you know, that or whether it's anything that upsets your normal, you know, good <laughs> good feelings about yeah. being around or whatever. I mean, those are all personal issues. And, yeah. and to, to kind of like either dismiss them or to make fun of them or to, you know, label somebody is really bad. But oh, people yeah. do it. And, yeah. and it, it happens... It happens easily enough, but, the, you know, again, the damage winds up being kind of long-lasting. It's kind of like talking about, I can't tell you how many times people would bring up the fact that Gil Kane had a nose job. Yeah, I've and, heard that. And it's like, yeah. well, why is that anybody's business? Right. You know, right, clearly right. a personal issue. Clearly he, you know, didn't like something about himself, yeah. and he changed it. And it's like, well, why is that? But it becomes almost like a a, a, a way into a joke or something, right. you know? and right. And... It's got nothing to do with the guy's work or, or anybody's work, you know. Especially guys like our artists. Life is that, hard. You don't, you Life don't is see hard. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, everybody knows life is hard as, uh, to begin with. Yeah. Nobody needs the extra crap that goes along with stuff like that. Well, so. that's what fuels the Internet, just picking on people and all that nonsense. Yeah. Well, I'm like, again, though, it gets bound to what we were talking, like I was saying earlier, about making stories just to fill space. Yeah. And that's the problem with, you know, I think people get bored quickly and they want something new. Mm. And that's certainly the case with, like... Uh, the media trying yeah. to write stories about stuff. So you have stories about WandaVision, about what it is and why it's, or like, why isn't this connecting or why is yeah. that? And yeah. Ultimately, you know, in the old days, we used to feel like there was a lot of stuff that, movies that I'd like that just didn't make money and therefore right. were bombs. And you'd feel like, well, everybody thinks this is a bomb, but this is one of my favorite films. Yeah. <clears throat> it only matters to you, really. But, yeah. you know, why should it matter if you, you know, like I said, I've, I've said before, I like the Man of Steel, I like Batman versus Superman. Yep. You know, I'm looking forward to the Snyder Justice four-hour epic. I'm yeah. curious, and why wouldn't you be? I didn't think the movie that came that we saw in the theaters was great. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. No. So why not? I don't. I don't know why they. Let you me know, just tell you. Really if you have arms over it, you if, know, it's just like it's a movie. Watch it or don't. If <laughs> you if, know, if you have four hours. I think you could tell any story and make it great for God. I was just like, four yeah. hours? My God, he's got everything but the kitchen sink. And there's not going to be one thing left that was omitted. Like, oh, well, he, he put in the mother box. He put in yeah. Granny Goodness. He put in But uh, I think some of that Metron, is, I mean, you know? I, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of that is meant to be added value for HBO Max. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, they you want know what people I mean? They're, they're probably going, look, we're going to give you 80 million bucks. We don't yeah. want a two-hour movie. We want something that's, you know, more of a bigger thing so yeah, we don't want them canceling it once it's over and that's the, the going back to wandavision too i heard everyone like why can't they put it all at once well hey dummy guess what they're in the There's, business of making subscribers if they dump it all yeah. at once you're going to watch it you're going to tell everybody what happens on the, your facebook and right, twitter right. and they're going to cancel their subscription next week or they'll get the seven right. day free trial right, and just right. watch it and then not make a dime that's not how disney makes money they if you go to the parks and they open them up and say hey uh, it's uh, one price, and you get to ride right. all day. Oh, wait, you have lines? you got to get her. Oh, yeah. Right, right. It's, it's a business. I, I'm yeah. amazed by that. Well, and it's also about building building expectations. That's storytelling, you know? Yeah. I mean, going to see a movie, your captive audience, when you see a movie in a theater, yeah. you see it from beginning to end, yeah. and generally you're not going to walk out. But yeah. with a TV show... Even if you weren't going to, like, be honest about it and say, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch all seven hours or eight yeah, hours yeah, yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, most times people will jump around or they'll even jump to the end to go, mm-hmm. you know, to be spoilers. So by doing it the way they did it, and this is what I thought was kind of cool about the way they marketed that was they only released the first three episodes to the critics. Right. So they're not giving anything away. They're not going to give the critics any reason no, to spoil anything. No, because there's a bunch of jerk recruit who would have ruined it. They want you to anticipate it. Yeah. So it's like, wow, what the heck is going on? I have to watch next week. Yep. You know? Yep. I mean, yeah, the well, same I've got no problem with, with it. Hey, the man. same is true with what they did. I mean, I think they, there was a smart move to do that on the old the DC Universe app when they were doing their Titans. original shows, too, yeah. because you really don't need all of them at once. It's no. more fun to watch them and go, okay, I can watch this any day of the week. Yeah. I don't have to watch it on Friday or Wednesday whenever it debuts, but... I don't have to, you know. Actually, feel like you know what? I didn't like that on the the Netflix Marvel programs because I would waste the entire weekend watching all the Daredevil, right. and then I go, okay, now I got nothing. 
You'd, right, you'd start right. on a Friday, you ended on a Sunday night, you'd watch 13 episodes of, you know, The Punisher. It was a good right, story, right. but Monday's there and there's nothing left, you know? Yeah. You also don't, I'm sure everybody does it differently, but I also feel like if you try to marathon something, oh, you yeah. invariably lose, you interest, lose interest or you around. lose concentration and it's, you miss stuff. It's always around the seventh or eighth episode that you Where'd that guy come yeah. from? Yeah. yeah <laughs> you yeah. know? So you either have to go back or you accept that you missed it, and then you, it, it, it does paint your... No, that's a know, long time. Real. That's a long commitment to sit through and... Uh... And we have, you know, we have to thank for breaking that model. David Lynch. Oh, with the uh, return in Twin Peaks? Threatened to, to walk off the Twin Peaks season three before he started... Because Net, uh, Showtime wanted it to stream all at once, and he was like, "No, no, it's got to come out once a week." And it—it's—it's it's a storytelling device. That's what yeah. people don't get. Well, the it's funnier not, thing uh, is, people that read comic books, I go, "You don't know about this stuff." It's called miniseries, maxi series. Right. They're always continued into the next issue for the last fifty, seventy, eighty right, years of right. comics. They're to be continued. Right. You know the old well, serials. And, and the thing is, with even if you, someone buys it, say, "Okay, I'm going to wait till the trade comes out." Yeah. If you wait for the trade, it's still something that you can read at your own pace. Right. In other words, like, I think with a TV show, you want to see what, oh, what are we leading up to? And you want to see that last one. Yeah. With a trade, you're going to read it, I think. I don't think you're going to you immediately know, go to the last page and no, say, you, you, you know who really started, the, I, I think the trade really worked well, was when uh, Walking Dead yeah. started collecting like six issues and that's how i first got into it because the show started and i didn't read the comics but i'd go out and get the trades right and they right. would do these paperbacks where they'd get six issues and bind them into one volume so you would read it yeah. and like oh this is cool because the way kirkman writes it, it moves very fast and yeah. then you're like oh i want to read the next one and they're like oh well that's not out for a couple months and then you'd wait and then before you know it i started just reading the monthly series because i right. didn't want to wait and to get the collected trade editions and now I'm looking at my bookshelf, and there's like 15 <laughs> volumes of The Walking Dead that he managed to make me buy. Kirkman, you, you little minx, you. I've been uh, reading. Um, I actually Firepower. Reading, uh, the, yeah, I've been reading Firepower and enjoying it. I've been reading the um, uh, some aftershock uh, trades that yeah, I got. Yeah. And uh, there's one that Garth Ennis and Russ Braun did. Oh yeah, early Jimmy, on. Jimmy's yeah. Bastards. Yes. That's a really good. I mean, that's in, is, is broken into two trades. Yeah. Um, but it's a really fun James Bond kind of. Yes, it is. Yeah. You know, story, and I I I, I appreciated in a way having a trade of that because at the time, I mean, I wasn't really reading, I wasn't keeping up with my comics, so if I read something, it might be three months since I to to read the second issue, and I would totally forget stuff. So um, now that I've been during this last year, I've been trying to read the books as they come out. Yeah, it's a little easier to keep track of stories. Like, a, like um, I've been enjoying Rorschach. Yep. Um, but I don't think I would enjoy it as much if I wasn't reading it every month. If I was just letting a gap, you know what I mean? If I yeah, let yeah, them no, pile either. up or yeah. whatever. Well, like Strange um, Adventures, I honestly wish the whole thing was done with because I've been, you know, it's it's on a monthly schedule, but sometimes yeah. you're a little late and you get annoyed. Well, it's like, also. The story in that one seems parsed out very stingily. Yes. Stingy. You know, I mean, you don't get, you're not getting big move, you know, big things each month. No. So it probably does benefit from like uh, reading it. Like with the the other one I was reading that I really liked was the Black Hammer stuff. Yeah. And I had, yeah. I picked up a couple issues back when they came out in maybe what 
2017. Yeah, and I told you it was a good series, and I was getting trades. Yeah. When I finally sorted through my comics to start reading stuff, I realized they only had a couple issues. I was like, oh, I have to buy the trades. So I've really been enjoying them. There was that one that just came out last week. Patton Oswalt did some of that. Yeah, that was the uh, the Visions story. Are you working it's on both. that too? No, I just did the cover for the trade for a trade collection that has I think six or five of those. Oh, Visions. that's cool. Yeah, I just did that. I just finished it last night. It has all there. None of the characters are ones that are from that first series. Mm-hmm. They're all ones that I think are introduced in the individual one shots. Um, you know what? Uh, the other thing that was really good was uh, there was a, a, a uh, another Aftershock book that had um, Teddy Roosevelt and all the different characters, kind of like a, a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen storyline. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it came out a couple of years ago. It was it was done. Uh, boy, I feel bad that I'm not remembering the writer. Um, but anyways, it it, it was uh, was it like Colin Bond? Colin Bunn? No, it was it was Colin I think Bunn. it was somebody who was like a, a media or TV writer guy or something. Oh, Mark uh, Russell? I'm not sure if it was him, but it was, it was drawn by Pat Olaf, who did oh yeah, Pat know, Olaf, like the yep. Spider-Man books and stuff. But it was like the Rough Riders or whatever, and, and it was you know uh, Thomas Edison mm-hmm. and all the you know like Nikola Tesla, all the characters yeah, from yeah, that yeah, era yeah. of Teddy Roosevelt, you know late. Uh, uh, the turn of the century stuff. Yeah. Early 1900s, yeah, yeah. Well, and it cool. was the fir- I, again, I'd had like parts of the story, so I wound up buying the trades, and I really have been enjoying them. Oh, I'm reading the Ed Brubaker Captain America stories again. Yeah. When yeah. they did those the Winter Soldier, those were really yeah, good. Those, the well, artwork. That run is the run goes on along. There's a lot of stuff that happened oh, in that yeah. run too. And the, the, I like the best is they had Steve Epting and Mike Perkins working on this book simultaneously. Yeah. So Steve Epting would do the present stuff with Captain yeah. America, and then Epting would, I mean, I'm sorry, Epting was doing that part, and then Perkins would do the flashbacks to World War yeah. II. Yeah. So you got like a different art style, but it worked together. But no, that was a great run. They just, because it's the Captain America 80th anniversary this year, they're re-releasing all the omnibuses from um, Marvel and they did yeah. the Brubaker ones and then they're going to do the death of Captain America and then when Bucky becomes Captain America and then they did Jack they the Jurgens, they're doing the Jurgens, the Jurgens ones, ones coming yeah. out there's yeah. also I did one of those that one one story I did in the Jurgens thing was a flashback to World War II yep. and that was really fun that was Captain America in the Battle of the Bulge which yep. was kind of and then they're doing the Rick Remeter, Remeter, Rick Remeter, Remender, Remender, Rick Remender yeah. yeah, he and uh, uh, Johnny Remeter Jr. They did a, a series with Klaus Jansen, where Caps there. And then the new one, um, Taisha. I can never pronounce the name right. I can see it in my head, but I don't know yeah. if I'm saying it correctly. Uh, he's the fellow that's writing. Um, he just did Black Panther as well. I think oh, it's Tanisha Coates. Tanisha Coates. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's coming to an end. I think his run is coming yeah, his, to an end. His, the monthly has been really good. Yeah. I, I, I've enjoyed that. And I like the fact that um, Leonard Kirk, who drew JSA stuff for DC, he's really a solid artist. The same kind of vein as Stuart Emmerman. Yep. Um, but Kirk has been doing some nice work on that. And uh, No, there's a lot of good cool, But see, that's cool because I like getting the, the, the Captain America omnibus. And I could sit and read like four or five issues at once, and then put it down, yeah. and then come back to it a couple of days later. You know, you don't have to. Binge I think the I whole prefer book. those six issue trades, though. I, honestly, yeah. because you know, like if you if you wind up reading it and you got the book on your lap, you don't cut off the circulation to your legs. 
<laughs> oh no, I tell you what, those omnibuses are heavy. They yeah. are. They are they have a good six, seven pounds of paper right there, you know. Have you been reading any new stuff? Yes, like, of course I have. What I have, have you my, been reading new? I've been, well, I always get Spider-Man, because if I don't read Spider-Man, the Earth will break free of its orbit and plunge into the sun. <laughs> That's how OCD I am. Uh, I've been reading, um, what's her friend's name? Dan Slott's Fantastic Four. Yep, that been well, a good run. Yeah, Marvel's leading up to some big Heroes Reborn project this year. That's their big thing. be honest with you, I have not picked up, I picked up one of the Batman um, future, what's the DC thing called? Future, future State. Future State, because I, I yeah. knew it was only going to be two months or whatever, yeah. and I, I, it's not going anywhere. I tried the Batman one, and I didn't bother with any of the other titles because... I, I picked up the Shazam one. How was it? It was pretty good. That's written by one, the guy, one of the DC, um, the cartoon writers, Tim Sheridan. He oh, was okay. one of the guys we met when we went to, oh, the, Batman, yeah, yeah. to the Death of Superman, yeah. Return of Superman. I take so that I mean, back. I re, I've been reading the Swamp Thing because Mike Perkins is doing the oh, yeah. artwork on that, and I like Perkins' art. The Wonder Woman one was pretty good. It was interesting. I mean, it was just a different take on Wonder Woman, but yeah. it was nicely done. Um, I think what else? Um, I've been reading, of course, Immortal Hulk. Uh, I've been. Have reading. you been reading this? Was it Sword? They've. Oh uh, no, I didn't get into it. I didn't get it. I tried, but it's I didn't. It's just like a new series. It's a yeah, new I didn't. I picked them up, and I didn't realize it was the same sword was the thing from WandaVision, uh, right? Yeah, it is, but I didn't bother. I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't get into I it. I like the Guardians of the Galaxy. That's that good. Doing has been doing with, and that's yep. been a decent book. And the, um, uh, there's a lot of stuff. I think it, it. What it winds up as is that you know, if you like a character. Sometimes you just stick with the character, like you're saying about Captain America or Spider-Man or whatever. I tend to like—I don't know—I like characters, but I, for example, have no reason to explain why. I mean, I can't tell you why, but I kind of burned out on Avengers, even though Avengers yeah, was I the one book. Yeah, I stopped. But I mean, I, I'm not—I have no idea if it's good or bad. I just—I was reading it through the Bendis stuff, and then when they started doing like five books, I lost interest because it was too much to keep track of, you know. Yeah. But I, I'd liked it up through then, and that was a book that I, even when I was working at DC all those years, I would make a point of buying the Avengers because I, I always liked it. Daredevil's been decent. Um, there's a, that's kind of a case where they, they split the art chores, I think, to make either. I don't know if they're doing the. Oh, the Chip Sadar. Is it Chip Sadarsky? Yeah, it's a really it's an interesting story. It kind of plays a little bit like the TV show, or like an extension of the TV show in a way. But um, it's it's been really good. Matt Murdock in in prison. Yeah. And they allow him to wear his mask because he's as Daredevil. He's the guy who's been accepting his punishment or whatever. Oh. So Electra becomes Daredevil. I saw that. I saw that was coming on. Yeah. You know what though? Every like Monday, there's all these different YouTube shows. I'll watch them just because I want to see what's coming out that week. And there's all these crazy speculators like, you got to pick up this book because it's going to be worth $30,000 next year. And I'm like, dude, just tell me what's going on. I just like to know what's, <laughs> here's what's happening in Batman. Like I saw they're bringing back uh, the Legends of the Dark Knight or something like that. It's going to oh, yeah. be a Batman anthology. That's coming out soon. Um, what was Marvel doing? I just read. Oh. Well, there's a lot of Batman. There's always a lot of Batman news. Yeah. Well, DC, I mean, I... I... Uh, I what this he's doing. The second, the second um, Man of Steel hardcover. I got those copy, cop copies, and and uh, I, I find it interesting, like that they're. I hope they keep that going. Yeah. Because at this point, 
they're still not. I mean, they did the trade paperbacks back in the earlier 2000s. I did the covers for a bunch of them. And I think they did like a total of eight or nine volumes. Yeah. And the, between the first two hardcovers, I think they've covered maybe, I'd say, five of the volumes. Oh, really? And, Already? Yeah. So, I mean, the, with the Superman reprints, they always get to a certain point and then it's like, oh, they start over. Rather well, than, I thought they were going to do one period of Superman that I really want them to start reprinting in, in these was when I took over as a writer, and they've only, like, they, they just started that. They I think, did the, the Exile first... book, didn't they? Yeah, well, but as a separate thing, but I'm saying, like, there were stories, like, when I, I did um, Adventures of Superman, and we did a whole bunch of, I thought, interesting stuff, and that's, a lot of that stuff has never been reprinted, so oh. <clears throat> it would be nice if they continue the these chronological ones so that they can get through that period. Yeah. Um, well, DC I, I just, is weird about their reprints. I don't know what's going on over there because Marvel is pretty steady with the reprinting yeah. of the old stuff because what they but do is... I think is, the book market, it, the problem is really yeah. that the book market's very fragile and even with people being home, you know, I mean, the access is not the same either. So I think from a company point of view, they're either selling it through Amazon or they're selling it through Diamond. I've been using my... Uh, my previews and getting the stuff from Diamond at our yeah. local comic shop, Cape Comics in Newtown, Connecticut. Yeah. Uh, because I was trying to use all those uh, Tales of Wonder, CheapGraphicNovels.com. Uh, what's the other one? Um, well, you're waiting for them to get it, and then they yeah. ship it. Sometimes you're adding a couple weeks to... Well, not only that, they would, they would sell out fast. Like, uh, yeah. every Monday they would announce, here's this week's omnibuses and trades and epic collections. And if you forget to go on the page, which I would normally do, and I'd remember like 9 o'clock at night, I'd go and say, out of stock, out of stock, out of stock. Right. Or if you did manage to order it, you, like you said, you'd have to wait until, until it ships, and then, you know, who knows when it would be with the mail right. lately. Right. But I could just go down every Wednesday to the comic store, and, you know, they'll get it from Diamond, whatever. So I don't know what's going on with DC reprints, though. Well, they, there was a the, someone had asked about Shazam, the second yeah. volume. And yeah, where is that? I looked it up on Amazon, and the listing doesn't exist. Nope. And um, somebody said later this year, so I don't know if they... I mean, here's the thing. DC has had a tremendous management overhaul yep. with all the firings and, and, you know, from the very top, Jim Lee's the only guy still standing. So yeah. I would imagine also being working remotely for almost a year now that it's harder for them to even do planning meetings for uh, what product is going to come out, what they're going to collect and, and yeah. all that stuff. So I'm, I'm guessing, you know, access to files, all that stuff. These guys are all working, like the reprint editor is working from his house. Yeah. You know, everybody's working from home, but I think if you're, if you're, you know, planning something out, I would think those are you know higher what? level decisions. I, I, I honestly, I don't know what it is with DC, but because they've rebooted their their main universe so many times in the last yeah. 15, 20 years, I think that's confused the hell out of a lot of people. So they don't... Look, when I go get a trade, like I just mentioned the Captain America and get the Eddie Brubaker stuff, right. I know what happened. It's like a good three yeah. or four years of worth of uh, storytelling. right. right. What am I going to do? Go get the new 52 version of Superman that lasted about, what, a year and a half, and then they rebooted no, it No, it lasted. Again, so. uh, sadly, sadly, that ran out longer than you 
imagine. No, but I remember um, Perez was on. But yeah, all these Superman. all these books exist in their own pocket universes, which is, makes it harder, I think, to explain a concept or even to to, to get your well, to get interested in. Yeah, I was gonna, you can't get a change. new. I can't get a new reader. Oh, here's the, yeah. here's Superman. Okay, and I give him the one when uh, Perez was doing when he was wearing blue right. jeans and a T-shirt, and then they right. go, "Oh, I like this." Well, that Superman doesn't exist anymore. What, right. what are you talking right. about? Well, they rebooted it. Oh, okay. Well, here's him and his father. Whoa. You know that from I, I gathered, I think from something Jurgens even said was there's this generations lost yeah. storyline, and that was originally I guess supposed to lead into the new DC universe, and apparently that was truncated and made it into specials. So you talking about? You're not talking about that John Byrne generations thing. That's no, no. They're doing this. They, DC had this thing that was an in continuity thing. It was called Generations Lost. And I guess it was, you know, one of their big engineered events that was probably done under, under or planned under Dan DiDio, maybe. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, and and that, you know, as a universe, my, <clears throat> was supposed to debut, I guess, after the future state or whatever. Oh. And that was truncated into specials rather than being, here's the next, here's the path for the DC universe forward. Oh. So they, there's a, a lot of stuff happening, I think, that's being done. On the fly. I, I, li- I like, like, getting old stuff. Like, a lot of people are telling me, they go, oh, like, going back to WandaVision. The Vision being taken apart was done in John Byrne's run of the West right. Coast Avengers, which I kind of remember, because that was in the 80s, maybe early yeah. 90s, and I don't remember. But then I'm like, oh, is there a trade out? And for, yeah. you can go get the trade for, like, 20, 30 bucks, and you yeah. can read the whole storyline. I go. Yeah, that was, like, actually, there was the one, I can still visualize it. It was a the vision on a big table yeah. and totally disassembled. And yeah. I was like, whoa! <laughs> yeah, and then Burn turned him into that whitish colored version, right. you know? So. No, I like the, I mean, I think the, even though the Marvel movie stuff and the TV stuff isn't necessarily the comic continuity, it at least is playing off of a consistent universe. Yeah. You know, that was always an argument and it's probably sour grapes sounding for people to hear me, hear me complain about it, but I do wish that the DC Universe had just maintained one, one, their one thread. World. Yeah. You know, you can still interpret, but, you know, it requires somebody to read back issues, and hey, is that the worst thing if you're a writer? Yeah. No. That you have to read up on a character so that you know I, what you're doing with it? No, I like the Marvel stuff because they do pull such... I mean, I thought I knew everything, and then I find out, oh, no, this was taken from this storyline. What story? Oh, I never read that, and now I'm going right. back and rereading those, and because it's like little hints of a character's name or a, or, or, or a scene or something. There's a, a great YouTube video called Marvel Movie Moments Based on Comics or something like that, and they show all the scenes from the Marvel movies that they can go open up a page or a panel in the comic and point to and go, look, this is where they got that page from. I'm like, holy crap. There's, like, such layers. I really... I would love to talk to, like, Feige and all those writers and stuff when they go there, and even Favreau. How do they go and get all these cherry-picked scenes from the old comics and put them in there? Like, do they just well, come up have, with a premise? You clearly or? have somebody... It would be like if you and I were talking about a story and we were doing an Avengers story. Yeah. Right? You'd say, oh, if only there was a way to do the story where the Avengers or Earth was attacked from space, and yeah. I would go, oh, hey, Kree Skrull War, and they go, okay, maybe we can work with that. So basically, I think that's how it works. They may have a couple people on there that they can throw ideas at, and then they'll say, oh, you know, they did this, and, you oh, know, like a Peter okay. Sanderson used to be the, the DC, or I mean, the, the Marvel, Marvel expert. guy, yeah. 
and and Bob Greenberger was the DC expert. You know, those were the continuity. Oh, so you guys think that's what they're doing? They're coming up with a premise and saying, "What do you have like this?" And they yeah, go, "Oh, no, you, I think you can weave because this because and... the premises aren't exactly what's in the comic." I no, think that, no, that's more likely to me that that you know somebody comes up with an idea that they think is good, and then they say, "Well." Is there a precedent for it? Oh, it's in this issue. You know, oh, okay. I mean, again, because Marvel's been fairly consistent over the entire existence uh, as a timeline, I think it's easier than, you know, unless start, a book yeah. was canceled and started and canceled, you know, it's easier for them to at least find moments. And yeah. if not, there's probably that Marvel encyclopedia or. No, you no, know, no. And then the other thing is, too, they were doing planning on c- converging a lot of the uh, DC movies and TV or whatever. This Flash movie was going to have Michael right. Keaton in there as Batman. Right. And then I heard they were going to bring in Christian Bale. That was a rumor a couple weeks ago. Right. Right. And I'm like, who are you doing that for? Because <laughs> I'm yeah. like, are you doing it for the movie fans or the comic book fans? Or yeah, well, I just, it's for both. It feels like it's going to be more confusing than ever. It's like, wait. They are all existing in their own worlds. Eh, whatever. I mean. Yeah, you know. but that's DC's always. I mean, DC's always had the multiverse. So. Yeah. You know, I think that uh, that's their. That's always been their wheelhouse. Is that they had multiple Earths and all that, and and Marvel was always no. This is happening here in this one place. Yeah, because so. I remember um, I'm watching that movie I was telling you about earlier, uh, Lonely Place for the Dying or whatever the Batman was, Death in the Family, right. and they they refer to when the Joker beat the hell out of uh, Jason Todd and killed him, right. and then the Red Hood shows up. Well, in this cartoon animated movie, they said, well, that was five years ago. Right. So then I started thinking to myself, okay, so Jason Todd was about 13, maybe 14, and <laughs> five years, so he's the Red Hood, but he's 19 now? I thought he was older than that. So right. how old is Nightwing? Wait a second, Nightwing's probably 20. And I know you're not supposed to think about that stuff because right. it's not real anyway, but... You start getting like, well, when did this story happen? If, right. they, if they're going to say this happened, then where was the Joker for five years? And right. Like, well, and well, you've got five five sidekicks. Then yes. Each of those sidekicks ages Batman yeah. uh, that many more years. So yeah, no, yeah, I mean that's always that's a tr- slippery slope when you try to do a character that is always going to be around twenty eight, twenty nine, or something. No, that's I just a, it's too much. It's too much. But that's 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 stuff that you know a fanboy is going to think about and yeah go, that's what oh, i was thinking about watching it last night yeah, going, wait a yeah. minute here but i was uh, like i was thinking i mean getting back to the snyder cut of whatever the, yeah. the you know one of the, the concepts in batman versus superman was the uh in the Batcave, the joker uh, graffitiing the yeah, robin yeah, doctor yeah. or whatever Who's and laughing everybody now was like okay this yeah. joker the jared leto joker is actually was a robin that's that was always built in there as to why, you know, he was also young and done the way he was done. Was yeah. that oh, this is like maybe it was Dick Grayson, maybe it was Jason Todd, but one of the one of the Robins turned, was, turned into a Joker. Yeah, oh, didn't know that's, that. So that's you didn't know that. You told think, me that, and I was like, right? Er, people er, were you. I mean, again, these are things that happened in some of the video games. Yeah, like when they did the uh, Arkham Asylum the, games. Well, Arkham Asylum, there was a, the other one that had uh, Superman when Superman was bad and all that. There was the oh, the Injustice series. Yeah. Injustice, yeah. yeah. So I mean, they're they're pulling people are pulling from all these different sources. So that was why I always cut the Jared Leto Joker a little slack because it was like, okay, 
It's they know they can't yeah. do Heath Ledger because Heath Ledger is dead, yeah. and we're respecting his performance. So they're moving on to the next generation Joker. Oh. Clearly, because Batman's all older. Yeah. So clearly, that's the thing. So, and I feel like if they, you know, maybe having him in this Justice League is a way for Snyder to at least maybe pay off that that premise or that setup. You know. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're gonna. I'm gonna wrap this one up because we've been talking for an hour and a half, and uh, that—that's long enough. Yes, it's long enough for <laughs> anybody here, me and you, talk about anything. So, we will see you next. Next time we talk, I think Wandavision might be almost over, and then we're gonna start getting into the Falcon and um, Winter Soldier, yeah. and then who knows? Pretty soon well, March, we'll have isn't March Justice 15th League. When the Justice League March March 18th is Justice League, and of course Marvel being Marvel, I think. Falcon and Winter Soldier the day yeah. before. You know, it's like, <laughs> you've got to screw with you. What channel are you going to watch? You know. They always, oh, by the way, we have a 20-hour Avengers cut that we just found. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. right. You'll love it. You'll love it. It'll make you so tired you won't be able to watch HBO Max. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, say goodnight to the folks, Jerry. Goodnight to the folks. All right, goodnight, folks. This has been a production of Big Fedora Marketing, LLC. The folks that bring you the terrific Comic-Con, GamerCon, and so much more. Thanks for listening.